0: Luke chapter 6, we continue our study through Luke's gospel. Uh, I'm going to read Luke chapter 6 verses 1 through 11. Uh, I'll pray and then we will dive into God's word. Luke chapter 6, starting in the first verse. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some ears of corn, rubbing them on their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord, is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? to save life or to destroy it. And after looking around at them all, he said to to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray. Holy God, we bow before you. Holy God, we need your presence now. God, we thank you so much for the privilege. The privilege, God, is such a privilege to hear and believe in your word. God, I pray that you would just infect this place, God, with the spirit of God, that you would convict our hearts to feel your presence. God, let this be a day of celebration. Let this be a day where people meet Jesus by his spirit. Father, we pray that you would just be kind to us. Send us your mercy this morning. Father, we pray for our nation. We do pray for the families affected in Boston, God for the, for the tragedy that unfolded. God, there's so much um, death in our world, for the families in Texas who've lost loved ones. God, we pray that through that you would bring yourself glory, God that you would call people to, to yourself, that to you help people realize that life is short, that we will all give an account that, God, that people won't run away from you in these trials, but they will run to you, Lord. Father, we pray that you would even use this for good. Lord, Satan meant it for evil, but, God, we pray that you use it for good. God, we pray as the the conversations continue to happen um, in our homes, around dinner tables, God, that your grace, your grace would speak into those homes. God, we pray for the officials of all involved. God, we pray that you give them wisdom on how to proceed. God, we do thank you um, for our, our time now. God, we thank you again for Jimmy and Alex and for Kirkley. God, we pray that you bless them today and their family and friends who came to, to uh, celebrate them, to hold them accountable to the commitment that they're making to you. Father, we pray that you give them the courage and the, um, and the pers- perseverance to finish uh, their task in parenting. God, we are uh, thankful that we are not the only church in Rock Hill God, we thank you that you love to bless your church. So God, we pray this morning that as Reggie Hopkins gets up to preach at Calvary Baptist Church, God, we pray that you bless him. God, we pray that you fill him with your spirit. God, we pray that you would speak uh, in a way that brings people to conversion, to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we pray for Calvary. We pray pray for the people there. Uh, Grow them mightily uh, for for the glory of your name. And God, we ask that here uh, we ask now as we, as we enter into a time of, of studying your word, God, I pray that you would allow me to hide behind the cross. God, I pray that my words would be your words. God, I pray you allow me to speak to people's hearts today. God, people come here who are weary. God, they're tired, Father. So God, I pray that they would come to, to know you uh, and they would have rest for their weary and tired souls Father God, I pray that you just soften their hearts that they may receive your word. God, as now we we enter into a time of of focus, we pray against distractions. We pray that we will be fixated on your word for your glory. We ask this in the name of the Lord Christ. Amen. Uh, As a young man, I, I often thought that I would be a politician. Uh, I've always had a way of working around a room and smiling and shaking hands and kisses, kissing babies. I thought that would be pretty good life, wouldn't it? Uh, but every year I'm reminded, uh, come November, why I never want to be a politician. Um, when you, you see in our electoral process that there's a, a barrage of ads and uh, coverage uh, for our political candidates. Uh, so there is a group of people who, uh, who live... To, to catch politicians in a political gaffe, in saying something stupid or doing something stupid. Those of you who know me realize now why I would never want to be a politician. You always have to be on your guard. They, they, they judge every word, every facial expression is being scrutinized so they can catch you. Aha! I don't want that. Well, we come in a situation in Jesus' life when he's being followed by people who are trying to accuse him. But we know Jesus and we love him, but he is the, he is the, the, the epitome of the anti-politician. He kind of lives in the no-spin zone. What Jesus does is Jesus always speaks the truth, whether you like it or not. So this morning, we're going to look at um, just two ways in terms of how Jesus feels about those who are, he's interacting with. If you want to follow along on the outline provided for you, just look on the back of your bulletin uh, for that first point. Uh, Jesus extends grace to hurting hearts. Jesus extends grace to hurting hearts. Uh, If I would change it, I would probably say Jesus extends rest to weary hearts. Um, But the outline is due on Thursday, and I didn't have time to correct it. So you love me anyway, right? Yes? Yes? I should not have to answer that question for you. <laughs> All right, we go back to verse 1 here. It says, on a Sabbath. Then again in verse 6, it says, on another Sabbath. The, the idea of Sabbath kind of frames this whole passage. And the reason why it does is because Jesus is entering into a controversy of religious, with the religious leaders. We talked about last week how Jesus' disciples were being put on, on notice. They were not fasting. And Jesus said, I'm the bridegroom. The bridegroom's here. They don't need to fast. Well, now they're, they're moving away from the, from, from the disciples and they're going right after Jesus. You know, Jesus can do miracles any time he wants. He can teach any day he wants. So we have to ask ourselves, why is this on the Sabbath? Why is that, that brought out for us? Well, Jesus is specifically attacking the hypocrisy of religious leaders. Now we mentioned even last week how these Pharisees changed the, the law of the Old Testament from fasting once a year to twice a week. Well, what they did to the, to the Sabbath was even worse. What they did is that they, they, they compiled commands, 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 rituals, rules on the Sabbath so no one could keep them. In, in the Talmud, which is the the instruction for rabbis, there is 24 chapters, 24 chapters all about laws for the Sabbath. How are you to live and act on the Sabbath? Well, we know the Sabbath was instituted as one of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse um, 4, I believe, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath was given to man to rest and remember. We were given to to rest from our labors, to to not work, to reflect on what God has done for us. That's it. We're just called to rest and not work. See, the Sabbath is a theological exercise. Now, I know there's some of you who love to work and love to work a lot, but can I just tell you that one of the reasons why God gave us the Sabbath was to remind you that you are not as important as you think you are. The world is not going to fall apart if you don't work for one day. Go outside, take a walk, breathe the fresh air. Now, as a pastor, I often feel that the world is on my shoulders. You know, people who are sick, people who are hurting. You know, you may have an issue going on in your life. We'll look at the, the crowd that you have here today. There's a lot of people out there who are hurting. And one of the things that I do uh, by the grace of, of God, he gave me a wife who knows me, and she recently bought me a hammock for my birthday. So when I start getting overwhelmed about all the things I think I need to do, you know what I do? I go lay in my hammock. I stop doing. I look at all that God had made. I hear the birds. I, I look at how the, the, the leaves are, are blowing in the wind, and I'm reminded, Dave, you are not God. The world is not on your shoulders. It is on mine. Well, the Sabbath in, in, in Jewish time, it was sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And for a Jew, as one pastor wisely notes, the Sabbath was the anchor for religious observance. As I already mentioned, there's 24 chapters in the Talmud. And here's just some of the things that, that were in the Talmud. You could only travel 3,000 feet from your front door. But... If you put food the day before the Sabbath, 3,000 feet from your door, you could walk 3,000 feet to the food, then 3,000 feet from from your house to the food, then from the food to the house. That seems kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? There are 39 things that are forbidden on the Sabbath, taken from a list compiled by Alfred Edersheim from the life and times of Jesus the Messiah. Here's the list. Here's all the things that are forbidden on the Sabbath. sewing. Sowing plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing, sifting, grinding, shifting in a sieve, kneading, baking, sharing the wool, washing it, beating it, dyeing it, spinning, putting on a weaver's beam, making two threads, weaving two threads, separating two threads, making a knot, undoing a knot, sewing two stitches, catching a deer, killing, not bad, skinning, salting, preparing its skin, scraping off its hair, cutting it up, writing two letters, scraping in order to write two letters, building pulling down, extinguishing the fire, lighting the fire, beating with a hammer, and carrying one thing from one place to another. So what these rabbis did, instead of having a day of rest, it was a day of work trying to, 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 to make sure that you were going to follow every single law in the Sabbath. It wasn't a day of rest. It was a day of oppression. Uh, one story kind of paints this picture very clearly. Uh, come from 1 Maccabees, uh, Judas Maccabeus, uh, was, was leading a revolt against the Greeks. And uh, the Greeks attacked the people of Israel on the Sabbath. And this is what, what the historians write about this scene. These insurgent Jews died without even a gesture of defiance or defense because to fight would have been to break the Sabbath. Can you imagine me laying on my hammock? Someone coming with a machete? Machete? running towards me, and me just going, take me. That's what they did. But the thing that's worse, it wasn't just them. It was their wives. It was their children. It says they they rose up, the, the Greeks rose up in battle on the Sabbath and slew their wives and their children and their cattle to number of a thousand people. So on the Sabbath, Jesus is stepping right in to Judaic, hypocrisy and saying, your religion is wrong. I am the new way. Because remember, these Jews felt that if they they didn't obey the Sabbath laws, they would not receive salvation. This is about salvation by works. Jesus hates self-righteousness. And that's what was happening in the Sabbath. They kept all the laws. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Therefore, they thought they were saved in no need of God. How many of us are like that? Right? We live our daily lives following all the rules, thinking that in some way that makes us righteous. God says, no, he will have none of it. You will not be able to be righteous outside of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But look what it says here in the second half of, of verse 1. It says, on a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some ears of corn, rubbing them in their hands. Now, they weren't breaking the law. They were allowed to to go into fields, and that's how God provided for the poor. Those who were poor could go in a field and and, and pull things off, uh, pull grain off the whatever they pull off of. I'm not a farmer. I should know that, but I don't. Don't judge me. But this is what the disciples did, because then remember, the disciples are poor. They left their trade. They left their fishing trade. They left their being a tax collector. They were following Jesus. They were living a life of poverty. So they plucked grain, and they were rubbing their hands together, breaking the Sabbath laws. Now, remember what I said, that these Pharisees were on watch against the Lord Jesus. You see right there in verse 2. But some of the Pharisees said... Now, you've got to ask yourself, where were these Pharisees? It wasn't like they were hiding in a bush, you know, not trying to be seen. They were open. They were following Jesus. They wanted to accuse him, just like political reporters following a politician. They were right there to be seen. But here's the difference. Jesus did not care. He wanted to attack the Pharisees. Listen to what they said. Why are you, now they're speaking directly towards the Lord Jesus, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them. And I love this. Have you not read? Now remember who's he talking to? He's talking to the religious elite who know the Bible, who know the Old Testament. They often were called, at an age of 12, they were called to memorize all the books of the law. Five whole books memorized. And he says, have you not read? And he shares this story. What David did when he was hungry. He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus just simply points out a story in the Old Testament. Well, in the Old Testament, they cared about people more than they cared about rules. And that's what Jesus is trying to expose. These Pharisees didn't care about people. They didn't care about those who were poor, those who were hungry. They cared about rules. How often are we like the Pharisees? We, we don't care about people's hearts People who are hurting, people who are poor, people who are lonely. We want to make sure you meet our standards, our rules. Jesus is trying to to blow that up. That's not what God wants in His way. And He he makes it very clear in verse 5. And He said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Literally in the Greek it says, The Lord of the Sabbath is the Son of Man. Meaning, I can do what I want to do when I want to do it on the Sabbath because I am God. He was trying to expose how they were all wrong. Jesus determines what, what is and not lawful on the Sabbath. But even more than that, what he's saying is that Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our rest. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 30, it says this. It says, Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus is our rest. He has done our work for us. He no longer wants you to work for your salvation. Because when He was dying upon the cross, He said these last words, it is, is finished. Your salvation was purchased through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God still calls us to work. What does this mean? He doesn't call us to work um, for our salvation. Because imagine how different... Let me just ask you this question to clarify. How many of you wake up in the morning on Sunday and feel, I have to go to church? Versus... I get to go to church. That means all the difference. See, the people here thought they had to observe every single Sabbath law. They had to in order to be saved. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus wants to say, listen, your work is done. I have completed your work on your behalf. You don't have to come to church. You get to. I I, I gave my life for you. I died for you. I, raised from the, I was raised from the grave for you. So you get to come and, and sing God's praises, to worship Him, to hear from His Word. It should not be a burden to you. If it is, maybe you don't have the rest for your souls. Meaning maybe you don't have Jesus who gives that rest. Well, the second thing we see here is Jesus feels grief for hard hearts. He feels grief for hard hearts. The story goes on in verse 6. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Now remember, Jesus came to teach. You see this all throughout the Gospels. The reason why, as Baptists, we believe in a big old pulpit, uh, and and we sit for 30 to 40 minutes, and we hear God's Word. Why? Because that's what Jesus told us to do. We should never be ashamed of preaching God's Word. But even me as a pastor, sometimes I do this getting close to 12, <laughs> I better finish up. Some days I want, I want to end at 12, but some days I'm going to go over and you know what? You should love me when I do. Why? Because Jesus came so that you could hear from God's word. I digress. Verse 7. So he entered the synagogues and was teaching the man, teaching and there was a man there whose right hand was withered. And verse 7, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. So they might have a reason to accuse him. Because even remember in the verse before, Jesus wasn't pulling off wheat, wasn't pulling off grain from the stalks. Jesus wasn't doing that. His disciples were. But they accused Jesus because of his disciples were doing it. But look at how amazing this is. Jesus could heal this man's hand. This man had a withered hand. Jesus could heal it. The Pharisees believed that he could. They were waiting for this man to be healed. But they didn't want him to be healed. Or if they did want him to be healed, it was for the, only, was for the reason to accuse Jesus of breaking the Sabbath law. But Jesus sees this. He's nobody's fool. He will not be mocked. In verse 8, But he knew their thoughts and said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he arose and stood there. So can you imagine that scene? What's about to happen? The Pharisees are kind of like, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to heal him. He's going to heal him. We got him. We got him, guys, watch. So that he, he calls this man sitting right next to him. And you see, you can almost feel the energy in the room. And then what happens in verse nine? And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life and or to destroy it? Now, this is a great question. Jesus kind of flips the whole situation back on the Pharisees. Now, there's really three ways they could have responded. They could have responded and said, yes, it is lawful to do good and to save life on the Sabbath. But if they say yes, it's good, guess what Jesus can do? He can heal the hand and they they can't accuse him because they are um, allowing Jesus to do it. They could say, no, it's not lawful. You have to do harm and do evil on the Sabbath. But what does that do? Kind of just exposes how sinful they really are. So they did number three. They didn't say a word. You know, sometimes people ask you those questions. uh, You know the answer, but you won't admit to it, so you just pull silence. That's what these Pharisees did. Look at verse 10. What happened? And after looking around at them all, Now, you know when when you're in the wrong, when you're not doing what you're supposed to do, how hard is it to make eye contact? So Jesus intentionally and purposefully looked around at all of them, right in the eyes. Can you imagine what they did? They probably looked away. They didn't want to look at Jesus. And after looking at them all, It says, he said said to him, the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. Well, from the Gospel of Mark and Matthew, they have parallel accounts. Mark 3.5 kind of helps us understand Jesus' emotions at that moment. And it says in Matthew 3.5, he looked around at them with anger. Jesus was angry at these Pharisees for their sin. But then it says this, he was angry with, he looked around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. See, Jesus was angry at their sin, but he was grieved that these people would not look to him. They would not come to him for their rest. They continued to trust in the old way, a religion of works, where they could depend on themselves. His heart was grieved. I found myself in my own preparation. How often am I angry at people when they have hard hearts. I want my heart to to break. I want my heart to to grieve for people who are lost, trusting in another way outside of the Lord Jesus. It's almost like in in this situation, the healing is an afterthought. Jesus healed the man. His hand was restored. But Jesus didn't do it for the man only. I mean, he did to extend his grace, but he did it to expose the heart's of the Pharisees. And not only the hearts of the Pharisees, he did it for you and me. He did it so that our hearts would be exposed. Any time the Lord Jesus exposes our hearts, that is a good thing. Which brings me to my last point, a question. How does your heart respond to Jesus? How does your heart respond to Jesus? Because we know what happened with the Pharisees. It says it right there in verse 11. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Now, this is only Luke chapter 6 of Luke, of 24 chapters. Right there at the beginning, these Pharisees have had enough of Jesus. They are angry, filled with fury, and they want him dead. They want to kill him. See, Jesus comes to destroy a self-made religion. He comes to destroy you trusting in yourselves for your salvation. He wants you to come to him. Those of you who are here, who are weary, who are heavy laden, he says, come to me and you will find rest. God wants everyone to find rest, even the hard-hearted, because his heart is filled with grief when they don't turn to him. If you have in your Bibles, and I'll close here, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Sorry, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. I just wanted you to see, see have you guys see one thing, and then I'll pray and close. So if, you lost, if I lost you at one point, and you want to fall asleep, I'm going to ask you to wake up, come back with me. All right, Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to finish this. We're landing the plane. Okay, we are landing the plane. So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. So the writer of Hebrews is just saying, don't be like the Israelites in the desert. And he goes on, go back down to verse 12. It says, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you in evil, with of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This is why Jimmy and Alex stood up here today. Right? They need help. They need encouragement from you that they will continue firm to the end, Confident in the the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we baptize people publicly. We need to be held accountable for our profession of faith. Verse 15. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. You hear that same thing again. Today, beloved, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 16. For those who heard and yet rebelled, Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom he was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter rest because of unbelief. If you have hearts today that do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never enter rest where are you this morning when, when, when the scripture says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts now i know that the spirit of god works through his word and i know that there's probably some of you here today who have hard hearts You are against the Lord Jesus Christ. For whatever the reason, you may have something that happened to you in the past. You may be having an issue dealing you're dealing with right now. Beloved, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 4-1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any one of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us. Good news came to us. But the message they heard, they did not benefit because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who believed, we who believed, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe, you enter that rest. And go down with me to verse 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, Again, he appoints a day. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As a pastor, can I just encourage you today, if you are tired, if you are weary, if you think that your salvation depends upon your labor, your perfect obedience, can I just tell you to turn to Jesus? Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest. Jesus said, it is finished. Everyone who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your salvation is finished. You have rest. Stop trying to to win your salvation outside of the Lord Jesus. He's already won it for you. So as I close in prayer, can I just challenge you today, today, if you hear His voice, do not. Do not harden your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you extend grace to the hurting. God, God, we thank you that you grieve um, for hard hearts, even wanting the hardest heart to believe. God, I pray for the people here today. God, I pray that they will not harden their hearts like the Pharisees. They will not trust themselves, but they will turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.